Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hey, thanks for listening to another episode of the Low Limit Cash Games podcast. Thanks so, uh, thanks so much for subscribing and uh, checking us out. I really appreciate that. We're a new poker podcast strictly devoted to live low limit cash games, which has been something relatively non-existent oh, for what three months now due to COVID nineteen. It's been frustrating, I know, for a lot of live players. Many of us turn to online games. The online games are much tougher. Uh, some people have turned to apps. Um, which is very sketchy. You have to really, really trust the person holding your money for you. The rake is really, really high. Um, but if you're, you know, if you've been one of the people that's willing to uh, concede those two issues, uh, you can get much closer to a live cash game because um, those games are much softer than playing on some of the sites. But uh, I managed to earn some money playing on one of the sites that I won't mention because uh, they're not a sponsor, and I'm not trying to promote any kind of illegal gambling. But um, uh, not nearly the money that I would have made in a, in a live cash game. Uh, as I'm recording this, this very weekend, live cash games opened up here. So uh, this is in the U.S., and I'm primarily talking about um, so- uh, so- southern uh, card rooms in the U.S., but I think they're opening pretty much across the country now at this point, some with more restrictions than others. And I know we have a a, a wide array of listeners. As a matter of fact, I'm going to get to a message I got from somebody in the UK earlier. So I know we have people listening all over. Thanks so much. That, uh, when you put a podcast out, you don't know if anybody's going to listen or not. You know, um, This podcast and maybe the next couple are going to be concentrated back to live games and maybe uh, specifically on home games too, which was some of the other avenues that people turn to during the uh, the, the COVID uh, poker blackout where there was no uh, places to go play poker. And uh, home games are their own special kind of thing that varies wildly. Uh, trying to give advice for home games, you really have to give a bunch of wild blanket advice because there's just it's so different the way it's set up from, from home game to home game, uh, primarily in forms of rake. Like the rake in some of these home games is insane. I played in a home game where the rake was 10% uncapped. So it didn't matter how big the pot was, the rake was 10%. So if you had a $1,000 pot, they were taking 100 bucks out of it. And um, so that's just one of examples of some of the crazy things you see at home games. Uh, nevertheless, we are going to be talking today about three betting and how you can safely and profitably uh, three bet the right people at the right time. And so I find in low limit cash games, one, two, one, three, two, five, and two, five, you start to see a little bit more of it, but it's really not nearly enough. You kind of have to get up to five, 10 before you start seeing it in any kind of a, um, a equitable level. But three betting, um, it's just something that just doesn't happen, um, nearly enough. And so, um, it's a great way to, to pick up money. It's a, a great strategy. You have to understand it because you are 
by by the very nature of three braiding, you're putting more money into the pot, so you need to be more correct. You know, um, you need to be doing it at the right times against the right people in the right configurations. So um, that's going to be the subject of the t- today's podcast. I first want to read a couple of notes that we got. Uh, the first one is from Sam who said, uh, Hey man, I want to give you some props. I've been applying your podcast lessons, uh, kept track of hands and money made per hour. Uh, I've ended up playing, uh, recently and a, one, a majority of hands with no showdown profited $2,200. Um, I know of course it won't always be like this and there'll be ups and downs, but thank you again for adding some new elements to my game. It's really helped. So, um, Absolutely, Sam, and thanks for sending me a message. I love I love hearing that. I love expanding my game, and then I love seeing other people expand their game, as long as you're not at my table. <laughs> I think it goes without saying. Um, my uh, other message I got was from Nick, who lives in the UK. It says, I stumbled upon your podcast on Spotify when searching for poker material, and I've loved the series. It's very real and very relatable and very informative. I live in the UK. We have played poker for a while, albeit only recreational but uh since lockdown i've started playing a bit more and i'm getting back into online cash games um it's not as fishy as home games but it's good looking forward to more episodes soon cheers nick well thanks for sending me the message nick uh i appreciate that and uh, yeah as i mentioned uh when we were coming in the podcast definitely Online games are not as fishy as live uh, cash games. It's kind of a trade-off because you get, like, you win less money per hour or less. You, online, you think about it in terms of 100 hands. So um, if you translate that to casino action, 100 hands is going to be about three hours. So um, maybe even be four hours, depending on how fast or slow the game's in. And then online, you can knock out 100 hands really quickly. But that's a way of equalizing the how much profit you're making so you can transfer it from both formats and get some kind of idea how you're performing in each. But your profit per 100 hands online is going to be very low. But you get to see 100 hands a lot faster. So you see more of them. So, you know, theoretically, if, if you see twice as many hands online, but you make half as much per 100, you're still making the same amount of money per hour. That makes sense. So online, you make more money per every 100 hands, but those 100 hands are much slower coming around. So your hourly rate goes down, if that makes any sense. So now that I have stumbled off into every possible thing that you could think of except the subject of today's podcast, we're going to get into um, uh, three betting. And we've talked about three betting before, and uh, I just wanted to add a couple things to it and uh, maybe one or two specific things because the question I've been asked twice now uh, this year is how do you know who to three bet? Like, what should I be looking for to target who I should three bet? And let me say, first off, that's the right question to answer. That's the question you should be asking yourself when you sit down at a table you're kind of going to play a fundamental form of poker. You're going to be playing pretty well-established uh, hand ranges based on your position until you learn more about the table. And the more you learn about the table, the more you can deviate from your predefined set of ranges for each position, and you begin you can begin to exploit uh, players and their weaknesses. 
And one of the ways we can do this is with three bets. And so the, the advantage of a three bet is, uh, one, you take control of the hand. Um, two, you represent a big hand. And if your three bet only gets called, you are representing a bigger hand by three betting than they are representing by calling. And so they are on the um, worst range of the two ranges, or perceived ranges, and they're on the defense. Um, and then if you also mostly pick and choose three bets when you're in position and you, you know, and you achieve position, in other words, you don't get anybody behind you with position that get that comes into the pot. That's the other advantage is you have position. So you have the betting advantage, you have the perceived best range, and you have position. And if you take those three things in poker, you're just going to make a lot of money with any reasonable level of post-flop play. And so it's very powerful. That being said, if you're sitting at the table with Old Man Coffee, who only raises with pocket aces and pocket kings, um, three betting that guy is not going to be very profitable for you. Okay, so who do you three bet? And this is one of my favorite things to look for. You want to be watching what people open with, okay? Um, and I would like to say people who raise, because you see a lot of limping in low-limit games. And so combating limpers is a whole different strategy. So don't confuse this three-bet strategy with combating people that limp into the pot ahead of you. That's a different strategy. This is if you see somebody raise ahead of you and you look down at a hand and you're trying to determine what to do with it fold it flat call or three bet so when you're watching people enter pots watch what they enter the pots in with raises and this is where people this is the difference between good players and average or bad players and that's watching the game most people, their their hand comes to them. If there's a raise in front of them, they look down at their hand and they go like, "This is not playable." They fold it, and then they get back on their phone, or they start go back to talking to the guy next to them, or they go back to eating their food, and they don't see the hand play out and pay attention to what the guy that raised in that hand was raising with. And that's you need to know that information. You need to always know what people are raising with, especially people to your right. Okay. Uh, for people to your left, you need to know what they're three betting with. Okay, so people to your right, you want to know what they're raising first in with, and people to your left, you want to know what they're three betting with. This will determine how you react in the future and how you play your hands. So, who do you three bet, and what can you three bet them with? Because you can three bet relatively light and win a lot of pots if you target the right person. So the one thing I would say is you can't have super aggro people to your left. Like if uh, you can't have the guy to your immediate left be hyper aggro and be a good player that that is able to catch on to what you're doing. Like you can still um, get away with these three bets. You just can't do it as often. So the worse the players are to your left, the less aggro they are, the less uh, apt they are to four bet you or flat call you with uh, hands with equity and position to where they can outplay you, the less apt that is to happen, then the more liberty you have to three bet um, disadvantaged pre-flop raisers to your right. So what are you looking for? Well, there's a couple of things I like to look for. The first one is unsuited hands. 
If so, if you see somebody show down a hand to your right, they sit to your right, and you see them show down a hand that they raised pre-flopped, and it was not suited, okay, that's a person you want to three bet. What do I mean by that? Um, a, a person under the gun plus one raises with jack 10 offsuit. He raises with jack 9 offsuit. He raises with queen 10 offsuit. Um, he raises with uh, 7 9 offsuit, 8 9 offsuit, 9 10 offsuit, um, queen jack offsuit. Um, I think once you get up to king queens, that becomes more reasonable. But again, depends on what position they're in. Um, you know, under the gun king queen offsuit is. Whew, it's, uh, depends on your table. At some tables, it may be okay. Some tables, it's marginal at best. At some tables, it's a very bad decision. So you got to know your table. But primarily, people that are raising these connectors or 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 one gappers that aren't suited. Okay, if somebody is raising connectors and one gappers that are not suited, you need to be three betting them with all your Broadway cards. All your jack queens, king queens, um, uh, jack uh, offsuit varieties, I would say, if you're in late position now. And we'll talk about that in a second. So we haven't factored in position yet. We're just talking about your hand versus their hand. We'll talk about position in a second. Um, and then, uh, obviously, all your suiteds that are playable. Um, your 8-9 suiteds, your 7-8 um, suiteds, jack 10 suiteds, your pocket... Um, Ooh, pocket uh, sevens plus. Ooh, I don't. It depends on how good you are at playing post flop. Pocket sixes plus, maybe even. Um, that's just kind of going to depend on the table and the player and your post flop skill, and that's something only you know. But basically, any reasonable play in hand, you want to be three betting them, not calling. And this is a big mistake I see a lot of times. You'll have a person who raises first in with hands like this and then you'll see a player in the cutoff or on the button just flat calling with their eight nine suited horrible play now there's sometimes you would want a flat call there and that would be against people who are raising with a reasonable range and if you're not likely to get four bet after you call that's always one of the things you think about nevertheless i'm not going to get into the calling because that's not what this episode is about this episode is about three betting but any of those hands that you might, in some instances, either think about folding or calling with become excellent three betting hands. So um, connectors and one gappers, even two gappers for sure, especially of the unsuited variety. Now, they can it can also be some suited varieties if they're low. If you, you, if you have a person raising first in from under the gun or under the gun plus one, um, you know, under the gun plus two with six, seven suited. Again, that's somebody you can three bet. Now, queen king suited, queen jack suited, jack 10 suited. That's going to narrow your three betting range to be much smaller, but you can still three bet them with a lot of hands, but it, it takes a lot of the range out that you can three bet them with. So that's the one thing you want to be looking out for. And then the other thing you want to be looking out for is people who raise pre-flop with big little big little is 
you should just always basically be folding big little. There's very few times where it's appropriate to play big little. And you see people raising with these all the time, especially if they're suited. King five suited, king six suited, queen four suited, queen deuce suited, queen eight suited. Um, you know, even queen nine suited from, from an early position. Um, but especially big little, you know. Now, uh, that doesn't apply to the suited aces because um, it's hard for you to be in a good post-flop position, A, if they have an ace, and B, especially if they have a suited ace. You're just going to be in a much, much more precarious position uh, post-flop as to what you can represent that they missed. So I'll give you an example. You know, the guy raises you with... Um, queen 10 offsuit pre-flop and the flop comes ace nine deuce um he he's got a check he doesn't have anything you bet he folds the ace comes you likely have an ace or a high pocket pair it's what it's gonna feel like and look like to them and they just can't continue on those boards on the other hand if it's a person who's raising some suited aces and the uh, you know non-connected ace high flop comes, you can't represent that anymore. I mean, you can represent it, but they're not going to fold. If they're bad enough to raise... What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. These hands, they're certainly not folding to a three bet. So your opportunities to take the, the pot down post-flop uncontested go down. And we want to play in situations where our opportunity to take the flop, uh, pot down post-flop are high. And so we have many ways to do that by representing a wide variety of hands that our opponents don't have. And uh, then also by connecting with hands. So, you know, and all this comes due to the fact that you know the crap that they raise with. And um, uh, these people, the other thing is, like anybody else, they will occasionally have a good hand. And that's easy. If they four bet you, you fold. You know? That's just pretty much going to be the case 95% of the time. If one of these guys that is raising with one of these hands and you three bet them and they four bet, four bet you, you just fold. Only unless you have a really good hand and their four bet is gives you good pot odds to play your jack 10 suited. Um, uh, uh, you know, eight, nine suited maybe, but you still need to be selective and then... Then you have to take into account things like um, stack depth and um, odds and implied odds and these types of things. Because it doesn't matter if you have a great speculative hand that could crack the aces they're forbetting you with. If you're not getting the pot odds to do it, even if it's a person that you'll know will pay, that'll pay you off if, if, uh, if, if Jack-10-5 comes and you flop two pair and they have aces, um, if the stack depths aren't deep enough, then it's just not worth it. And I'm not. That's another thing I'm not going to get into because that's not what this episode is about. 
but you can work some of that out on your own. At least you should know that's what you should be thinking about. But most of the time, it's just going to be a fold. Most of the time, you're just going to fold. So, um, post-flop strategy. Now, so you've got the person who raises pre-flop with the big littles, especially if they're... If you see a guy raise king five offsuit under the gun, you just need to be three-betting the hell out of this guy. You just need to three-bet them all the time, you know, if you're in a decent position. In a, in a position where you don't have aggros to your left that are going to four-bet you a lot, that are on the, that catch on quickly to what you're doing, or that love calling three-bets with crap so that, you, that you're just winding up multi-way a lot. Because that's no good. Let's say you're in the cutoff. Let's say every time the guy that you're targeting raises, you're in you're in the cutoff. Every time he raises, you're in the cutoff. So he's a guy you want to target. You got late position. He raises, it folds to you. You're in the cutoff. You look down at at uh, you know um, queen jack suited, and uh, you you want to three bet it. But the guy on the button is a guy that likes to play every pot for any amount, and you know he's going to call with with sixty percent of his hands. You know the big blind is a guy who likes to play 60% of hands, and he's already got a big blind in there, which makes him even more prone to put more money in there with all kind of stuff. And then you know once those two guys, the original Razor is calling. Well, now you have Queen Jack suited. You don't have position because the button has position on you, and you're playing uh, the pot four ways. So, look, you, you always have to take in consideration your configuration. On the other hand... If you're in a game where you can four bet and that button is not playing unless he's got aces, kings, queens, jacks, ace, king, ace, queen, uh, or tens, and uh, you know the same applies to small blind, big blind, or whatever, then absolutely, you're gonna be a three betting machine. So, guy raises. You you figured a guy out. You've seen him raise king five suited. You've seen him raise uh, jack ten offsuit from under the gun plus one, and, and you're in the cutoff. So he's under the gun one. You're you're cut off. He raises and it folds to you. So you're three betting with all these reasonable hands, right? A, a pretty wide range. Now, all the hands you would sometimes consider calling with, and even a few hands you might consider folding, but especially any reasonable kind of a hand, you're three betting. Okay. What are you looking for on the flop? Well, uh, almost all the time you're going to fire when an ace comes on the flop or a king comes on the flop. So any ace, any king, you're going to fire on the flop. You are also going to fire anytime the flop comes with all cards that are nine or lower if they're not super connected and super draw heavy. So let's say it comes 9-7 deuce. You're always firing at that. Let's say it comes 9-8 deuce. Um, you're going to have to judge that. Because uh, you got you got 10 jacks, you got 10 queens, you got um, 7 tens, 6 sevens. Uh, it's just so many hands that junk that they could be raising with that might connect with that that um, that you may or may not want to fire at. You're going to have to develop a bet sometime, check sometime strategy. <clears throat> I think part of that would be is it suited or not suited might be part of your decision. Um, 
so those are kind of your scenarios when big hands would nail the flop, you know, aces and kings you want to bet, when raggedy boards with all uh, cards are nine or lower, especially when they're rainbow. And you'll see a lot of these where you just get to fire, fire, fire. Um, now, if you have uh, the flop comes... Uh, you know, queen, jack, nine. And you raised with eight. Uh, let's say you raised with, um, I don't know. Let's say you raised with pocket fives, pocket sixes, pocket sevens. Let's say that was the hand you raised with. Or let's say you raised with ace five suited, ace four suited, ace three suited, ace two suited. You don't want to be firing at that flop. Queen, jack, nine, especially queen, jack, nine, with two suits, um, it's just there's so much crap that he could, would raise with in his range pre-flop that either flops a pair or a draw there. That's just suicide to bet. So you're gonna have the favorable flops and textures, and then you're gonna have unfavorable flops and textures. But basically, it's bad low flops, not draw heavy, and big cards you can represent. That's basically the two categories of hands you want to fire at now. It gets more complicated when you get called. When you get called, you are going to have to, you know, start doing your reads. What kind of crap would he have pre-flop? That's pretty wide. What kind of crap would he call with on the flop? Again, this comes from paying attention. Does the guy just float every flop if he has one over? Let's say it comes queen. Let's say it comes queen seven deuce. That's not a horrible flop to fire at, right? Um, it's not as good as all of them being nine or lower, but it's just one card higher than a nine. It's uncoordinated. It's a decent flop to take a shot at. When he calls that flop, you got to know what what will he call it. Let's see, what what did I say? Queen five deuce. If he had a five, what he call? If he had a deuce, what he call? Um, if the answer is the yes, then you got to fire again. And if he would call with king high or ace high. You know, no no draw or nothing. He's just got it over to the queen, and he wants to see another card. If he calls those positions a lot, then you want to keep firing. You're going to have to fire the turn. And if he calls the turn, then you're really going to have to evaluate your hand uh, a lot here. You should, Always you're evaluating your hand, but you're going to have to evaluate your hand even more. Does it have any kind of showdown potential, you know? On the ace five deuce flop, did you raise with threes? Because you can beat a deuce and you can beat big cards. And so you might just want to check the turn and try to get to a river showdown with some kind of showdown value. Um, if you have the ace high, that's showdown value. You know, if he's going to call you with a king or he's going to call you with some kind of weird gut shot or something then your ace high has some showdown value, and so you might not want to fire the third barrel uh, on uh, uh, for the river. But, again, it's going to depend a lot on your hand and the texture of the board, and what do you know about the player. I think there's a couple things you can learn here that really, if we were divided into the big two or three points uh, that you should take away from this, is one, pay attention to what people raise with. People to your right. Two, pay attention to what people to your left four bet or call with when you three bet. Um, three, 
pay attention to the people that you you finally found a guy you think you can target with three bets and, and, and print money. You need to also pay attention to what he does on different flops. Does he float with just one over guard? Does he float with gut shots? Probably, absolutely. Most people that raise junk will float with a gut shot, but not all of them. Um, you know, will he call with just one over card to the flop? Does he call any flop because he thinks everybody's full of shit on the flop? There's some people that do that. Some people call every flop bet because they just think everybody bet, uh, everybody bluffs the flop. So paying attention to all these things, and you can do it in stages. You know, it's, it can seem overwhelming, but just break it down into stages. Goal one when you're playing at the table is you're trying to f- identify weak preflop raisers you can three bet, and that's all you do. That's all. You, I mean, you can look at other things. You want to try to get a feel for the game, but you, but but you know, just spend your next session just focusing on that because you'll get better at it the more you do it. But just focus on that. It may take you an hour. It may take you 45 minutes. It may take you an hour and a half. Once you've finally identified a guy you think you can three-bet profitably, then hopefully you have also been then seeing what he does on the flop and trying to see cards he shows down at the end to try to get some kind of idea of what he did. So, you know, once you identify him, then you got to start paying attention to his cards when they're shown down at the end and what his actions are on the flop. So... The third thing that I would say is um, is uh, bet sizing on the flop. Okay, and this is just a general rule that I've seen works reasonably well, but it's not written in stone. It's always going to depend on the player you're playing, because the player you're playing it may be the exact opposite. But in general, I would say for the majority of people that I find to target in this banner this betting size strategy works and is profitable long term if you get the nines uh, all the cards are nine or lower uncoordinated raggedy flop a big bet will take it down a large percent of the time a 65 to 70 percent pot bet so the the flop comes nine five deuce rainbow what is your goal what is your goal there you want him to fold his queen 10 offs his king jack offs his king nine offs his queen nine offs his is uh you know ace eight uh, offs uh, well i mentioned some nines he's not folding nine because there's a nine in there but you get what i'm saying big cards that missed the flop you want to you want him to just go to heck with it. I'm just not calling a 75% pot bet with my king jack here on this raggedy flop. Okay? So, when that's the kind of flop you get, bigger bets I think mostly are the way to go. And again, it's going to depend on the player. If you do this to a player and you see that he calls you with the king jack off, that's not the strategy next time. <laughs> you just know you don't do that again. The big bet isn't going to get him off. Um, then you have to change your strategy with him. You go to a smaller flop multiple street uh, strategy, um, which is what we'll talk about on the second kind of flop. So the second kind of flop, you get the big cards. You know, 
you three bet and you get the ace on the flop or you get the king on the flop. So these are these are cards you're representing. You've raised with the ace king or the king queen or the pocket aces or the pocket kings. Um, you know, you've got the big cards is what you're saying. Um, since you are representing that and you got what what theoretically you should want, you don't have to bet a lot. The guy either is behind and just going to fold most of the time or he's going to really, really have something much, much small percentage of the time. So the small bet works best in both of those scenarios. So, you know, you raised with a, um, you know, you raised with a, uh, uh, eight, uh, nine, eight, uh, nine, eight suited. You three bet with nine, eight suited and the flop comes king, seven, five or ace-7-5, something like that, and they check to you. Um, you got to bet, you know, about 30% of the pot, 30 to 35% of the pot, and you're just going to take it down a lot of the time with most players. Again, watch your player, though. If that doesn't work, um, if the hand does go to showdown, and no matter how you wind up getting there, you got to see what he what he called you on the flop with to determine what your strategy is in the future. But generally speaking, on the big card flops that you can represent with your three bet, you can bet much smaller, you risk much smaller amounts to take it down more of the time. On the raggedy flops, where they're less likely to believe you, but they also probably don't have anything. See, it's the combination of the two. You know, it's a 9-7-deuce flop, and you three bet, so your ace-king, king-queen, ace-jacks, ace-queens, you know, none of that's no good. You don't have any of this 9-7-deuce flop, and they know it. Um, if you bet 30% of the pot, they're just going to call you with their with their over cards. They're just going to call you. But if you bet 70% of the pot, they're going to think about it. Or you bet full pot sometimes. I mean, uh, uh, you know, that's very effective. You don't have to win that a lot of the time to break even. So, you know, betting big, though, in those instances is the way to go. Your mileage may vary. It's going to depend on your opponent. Everything in poker depends on your opponent. If you're not playing a game where your strategy depends a lot on your opponent, live games I'm talking about, live poker. If you're not playing live poker where your strategy depends a lot on your opponent, then you are playing the game wrong. Thank you for the messages. Uh, the one favor I would ask is that um, if you would consider going over to uh, Apple Podcast where this is hosted and leave us a rating and a comment, boy, that really helps Apple say, hey, we should share this content with people searching the word poker. And um, it'll help us out a lot. I hope that this episode of the podcast has helped you in some way. The messages I got from you guys were awesome. I uh, appreciate you so much, and we'll talk to you next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.